here tonight. <laughs> hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for your love, Lord. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Yes, he loves us. Hallelujah. And how great is that love. Amen. How many is thankful for the love of God here tonight? Yes, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your love. Hallelujah. Thank you for loving us when we were unlovable, for reaching out to us when we seemed unreachable. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. If you can all be upstanding as, as we uh, get to the word. If we could turn our Bibles to Acts chapter, uh, sorry, Exodus chapter 2. I'm a Pentecostal preacher. I see 2 and I just go straight to Acts. Exodus chapter 2. Amen. I just want to echo the words of um, my wife and say how thankful we are to be with you, how blessed we are to be with this church and grateful to, to your awesome pastor. He's been a wonderful uh, man of God in my life, and I'm grateful for our friendship, for our relationship. You guys are blessed with the best. You have a great pastor, and and, and a wonderful uh, he has a wonderful helpmeet, and his and his wonderful wife, Sister Kathy. Amen. Amen. Exodus chapter two. Well, there's a supper after this, so I will shorten my message. This one's originally about an hour and a half, so I'll take it down to just over an hour. <laughs> If you're here this morning, you know I'm not a long preacher. Exodus chapter 2, verses 23 to 25. And it came to pass in process of time that the king of Egypt died, and the children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage, and they cried. And their cry came up unto God by reason of the bondage. And God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. And for the next few minutes, I'd like to preach to you on the thought, the answer to prayer. The answer to prayer. Amen. If I could please get your pastor to pray one more time. Father, we thank you tonight again to be in your presence, Lord. Lord, we just ask you, Lord, to minister to us tonight. Lord, speak through your servant. Lord God, speak to our hearts of those things you want us to hear. Lord God, I pray. Bring forth the response in us that you desire, Lord God. Bring forth the transformation in us that your word is sent to deliver, Lord, we pray. In the name of Jesus, Lord, anoint this young man as he ministers your word to us, we pray in Jesus' name. In Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. The answer to prayer. <clears throat> Initially, Egypt was seen as a place of salvation. For Israel, Joseph, the son of Jacob, had gone to Egypt as a slave, but through God's favor and his redemptive plan, Joseph became the second most powerful man in the Egyptian empire. Jacob and his sons, along with, his, uh, with, along with their families, found refuge in Egypt during a severe famine. God had used Joseph to prepare the Egyptians for that famine, so they had plenty of food. Pharaoh loved Joseph, so he was more than happy to provide land and food for his father, for his family. The Israelites, they prospered while they were in Egypt. God blessed them. Their population increased, and they became mighty. Then a new king rose to power in, in Egypt, and, and this king didn't know Joseph, didn't have a relationship with him, and he didn't appreciate what Joseph had done for Egypt. 
So he decided to enslave them and force them to do backbreaking labor. But the problem was that the more they subjected them, the more the Israelites subjected, or the Egyptians subjected the Israelites, the more they increased. And this was a major issue for the king, and he felt the need to fix this problem. So he instructed that every male child that was born should be thrown into the river, but the females could be kept alive. After many years, the Pharaoh of Egypt that brought so much pain and suffering to the Israelites, he died. And the Israelites cried out to God because of their bondage, because of their predicament, their situation. They cried for help. And their cry rose to the ear of God, and he heard their groaning. The scripture says that he heard their groaning. And he remembered his covenant with their forefathers. He remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the Israelites and he took notice of them. And aren't you glad that you serve a God that hears your prayers here tonight? Aren't you glad that you serve a God that listens to your prayers? In Jeremiah chapter 29 verse 12, the Lord says, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. I will listen to your prayers. I will hear your prayers. The God of the universe not only loves you, but he listens to your prayers. He listens to your petitions. Your boss may not listen to you. Your parents may not listen to you. Your teacher may not listen to you. Your doctor may not listen to you. Your counsel may not listen to you. The prime minister certainly won't listen to you. But you can surpass all of them. You can go past all of these uh, people and go straight to God. Hallelujah. He will listen to your prayers. He will listen to the prayers of his people. But notice how the Lord said in Jeremiah that you will call upon me and pray to me. Another version puts it this way. It says, when you pray. He says, when you pray. God doesn't consider prayer optional. He doesn't consider prayer something that we, we, we can do or can't do. And neither should we. We shouldn't consider prayer optional. This is something that we must do. Jesus said, ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and the door will be open unto you. Hallelujah. For everyone who asks receives and to to he who seeks finds and to him who knocks the door will be open. So what are you asking God for? That's my question here tonight. What are you asking God for in your life? What are you seeking God about in your situation? Are you even asking God? Are you even spending time in prayer, are you even asking, seeking, and knocking? I believe it's time that the church starts asking for some things. Hallelujah. I believe that we need to start seeking God once again like never before. Get into your prayer closet and shut the door. Get off Facebook. Get off Instagram. Put away all these peripheral things and get alone with God. Put away the phone and spend some time with God in prayer. Hallelujah. Get off the computer, get off internet, and spend some time with God in prayer. Hallelujah. A recent study concluded that the typical mobile phone user touches his or her phone over 2,500 times every day. The typical mobile phone user touches their phone at least 2,500 times every day. That's the average user. The study found that extreme users, the top 10%, they touch their phones more than 5,000 times every day. 5,000 times every day. We have become obsessed with our phones. 
It is normally the, the first thing that we touch in the morning and the last thing that we touch before we go to bed at night. And I wonder what would happen if, if, especially us millennials, if we made that decision that before we ever touched our phone in the morning, that we would get down on our knees and we would touch the throne room of God in prayer. That before we checked Facebook, before we got on Instagram, that we would spend some time with God in prayer. Hallelujah. There is no telling what God would do in your life if you made him a priority. If you made him the first thing that you did every morning. If you spent time with him in prayer, if you started asking, if you started seeking, and you started knocking, hallelujah, with your whole heart, hallelujah, ask, seek, knock, amen, hallelujah, we must get alone with the Lord, hallelujah, getting back to our story, an 80-year-old shepherd was looking after his father-in-law's flock in the back of the desert near a mountain called Horeb, it was like any other day he had experienced over the last 40 years of his life. Then something caught his eye. It was a bush that was on fire, but the leaves were not being consumed. How many here has seen a bush that, that has been on fire and the leaves haven't been consumed? None of us? Okay, good. So it's miraculous, right? Right. Anytime we see something on fire, it is being consumed. But he saw this bush that was on fire and the leaves weren't even being consumed. He had never seen anything like this before, So he decided to investigate. This man decided to have a look and understand what was going on. When he, when he approached the bush, the voice of the Lord called out to him from the bush saying, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, here I am. And sometimes that's all it takes to be used by God. Sometimes that is all it takes to be used by God, being available, saying, here I am, Lord, send me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God doesn't use special people. He uses available people. God doesn't use those who have 1,700 talents, but God uses those who make themselves available, who say, I am here. I am ready. I am willing to do whatever you need me to do. I'm going to make myself available. Here I am. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Apostle Paul writes, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You're to present your body a living sacrifice. That means every day climbing on the altar and saying, God, here I am. God, I'm offering my life as a sacrifice to you. Lord, use me in, every, in, in any way that you can. That is what is reasonable in the eyes of God. He expects that from us, to offer ourselves as a living sacrifice. You see, God has plans for your life, but He's just waiting for you to make yourself available. He's waiting for you to say, Here I am, Lord, send me. What can I do for you, God? I'm going to make myself available. So the Lord called Moses. Now, listen to what He says to him. Listen to what the Lord says to Moses. He says, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have given heed to their cry because of their taskmasters. For I am aware of their sufferings. So I have come down to deliver them from the power of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and spacious land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. Therefore, come now and I will send you to Pharaoh so that you may bring my people, the sons of Israel, 
out of Egypt. Do you see what's happening here in this text? Do you see what's happening in this conversation between God and Moses? The Lord is answering the prayers of the Israelites. The Lord is answering the prayers of the people crying out to him that are in bondage. He is answering their prayers by calling Moses. He is answering the prayers of his people, of the Israelites, by calling this man Moses. It doesn't say anywhere in Scripture that God responded directly to the Israelites. It doesn't say anywhere that he spoke directly to them when they called out to him in prayer. But he responded to their prayers by calling Moses. And I don't know about you, but that that blows my mind. That they're crying out to God in prayer, asking for help, asking for help in their situation. And God doesn't respond directly to them, but he calls a man. He calls Moses. So what am I getting at? The point is, is that there are people all across this city. There are people all across this country and even around the world that are crying out to God. They are crying out to the Lord. They are in bondage. They are in sin. They are enslaved and they are calling out to God. These are people that are needing help in their situation. These are people that want to know about Jesus. These are people that are looking for hope and they are waiting on you and they are waiting on me to respond to God's calling on our life. They are waiting for you to say, here I am, Lord, send me. They are waiting for me to say, what can I do for you? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. They are calling out to God and they are waiting on you to respond. Hallelujah. It can be as simple as blessing a family that is in need or as grand as becoming a missionary to a foreign land. But God is waiting for you to volunteer. God is waiting for you to say, here I am, Lord, send me. So who was this shepherd and and why was God calling him to lead the Israelites? Well, Moses, uh, as most of you would know if if you've been part of the church for any time or if you uh, went through Sunday school, Moses um, literally means drawn from the water. And and, uh, he was drawn from the water by the princess of Egypt. You see, Moses' mother was was an Israelite and, and in order to save him from being killed, she had put him in a basket into the river and then... The princess saw the baby, and they drew him out of the water. And, and he became uh, the son of the princess. And he was nursed for the first year, three years of his life by his mother because uh, his sister had followed him while he was in the river. And once the prince had, princess had, had got, drawn him out of the water, his sister went up to her and said, Do you need someone to look after this baby for a few years? Obviously because... Uh, the baby needed to be nursed. And, and so his mother was able to nurse him for the first three years of his life. He grew up in Pharaoh's palace. He was educated by the greatest teachers in Egypt. The Bible calls Moses a man of power of words and deeds. And he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was a prince. And obviously the comparisons with Joseph had to be there. This was an Israelite that was in the Egyptian palace. You see, Moses was the perfect man for the job. He was the perfect man for the job that God needed uh, to be done. God needed a man who, who could lead a group of well over a million people and help establish them as a nation. And Moses had received an education only 
afforded to royalty. He was literally the only Israelite who hadn't grown up a slave. Think about that. Every other Israelite had grown up in bondage and was a slave, but Moses was not a slave. He didn't have that mindset. His time as a shepherd in the wilderness had taught him how to survive and had taught him how to lead. God had orchestrated Moses' entire life for this moment, for this calling, for this moment with the burning bush. And each one of us here in this place here tonight has a unique call of God on our life. Each one of us has a purpose in the kingdom of God. There are people in this world that only you can reach. I can't reach them. Your pastor can't reach them. But you can reach them. There are people in this world that only you can minister to. That only you can reach out to. There are missions that God has for you. That you are uniquely qualified for. You may feel unqualified. You may feel inadequate. But God knows what he's doing. He's the one that is calling you. And he will be the one that equips you for the work. Hallelujah. Everything that has happened in your life, good and bad, was to prepare you for the purpose that He has planned for you. Everything that has happened in your life, good and bad, was to prepare you for God's purpose for your life. That's why the Apostle Paul was able to write in Romans chapter 8, verse 28. And he was writing this while he was sitting in a prison cell. He wrote this, he said, And we know, we know, that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. We know that all things, all things work together for good to them who are called. I know it may not feel like it this evening while you're sitting in church, maybe going through a storm like we talked about this morning. It may not feel like it right now, but if you love God, If you love God and you surrender to His plan for your life, that means that everything that has happened to you, every circumstance, every situation, ultimately works for your good. It works for your good. Hallelujah. It prepares you for the call that God has on your life. It prepares you for the ministry that He has for you. Hallelujah. Everything, everything, good and bad, that happens in your life prepares you for God's plan for your life. And you see, when the Lord revealed to Moses the plan that he had for his life, in the moment, Moses tried to get out of it. Moses tried to get out of what God had in store for his life. He started offering excuses as to why he couldn't do it. He started offering excuses as to why he wasn't good enough. He basically told God that he had called the wrong person. Imagine that, telling the God who knows everything that he made the wrong decision. You called the wrong guy. Why did Moses say this? Why did Moses have this approach? I believe the story that Stephen shares about Moses in Acts chapter 7 shed some light on this, shed some light on his behavior. You see, Stephen said this in Acts chapter 7. He said, when Moses was approaching the age of 40, he decided to visit his brethren the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being treated unjustly, he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptians. So he saw one of his brothers, he saw one of the Israelites being beaten, and he decided to avenge him by by striking down and killing the Egyptian who was beating the Israelite. And he supposed that his brethren understood, listen to this, he supposed that his brethren understood, understood that God was granting them 
deliverance through him. But they did not understand. On the following day, he appeared to them as they were fighting together. So now two Israelites are fighting each other. And he tried to reconcile them in peace, saying, Men, you are, are, you are brethren. Why do you injure one another? But the one who was injuring his neighbor pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge over us? Who made you, Moses, a ruler and a judge over us? Who do you think you are? What, what do you think you're doing? You're, who, who are you? You do not mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian yesterday, do you? And you see, Moses had to be initially shocked by this development because Moses had been taught his entire life that he was an Israelite living in the Egyptian palace. And the comparisons to Joseph had to be there. Why else would there be an Israelite in the Egyptian palace if not to deliver the people of Israel? This is what he was born to do, right? This, this is why he was called. This, this is why he, he, he was alive. Why else would there be an Israelite? in the position that he was in. And then his survival instincts kicked in. If this man knew he killed an Egyptian, then Pharaoh would know soon. So Moses fled Egypt. This was when Moses was 40 years old. That was 40 years before God spoke to him out of the burning bush. 40 years in the wilderness. You see, Moses had tried to respond to the call of God once before, And he had failed. Moses had tried to respond to God's call that he felt was on his life. And he failed. He failed because he was trying to do it in his own strength. And that failure led to him running away from the call of God. His failure led him to believe that he was not worthy. And that he could do nothing for God. And I believe that there are people here in this church here tonight. That have disqualified themselves. They have disqualified themselves because of their past, because they have failed God. We we feel inadequate or or we feel unworthy. We're not talented enough or or we're not spiritual enough. We we have a past or we continue to struggle with sin, so we disqualify ourselves. We say, no thanks God, I, I can't be used, used someone else. But you see, the good thing is that God specializes in using the unqualified. God specializes in using those who feel unworthy, those who feel that they are unqualified. You see, my Bible tells me that he used a liar and a cheat named Jacob to father his chosen people. He used a teenager from Bethlehem named David to kill a giant. He used a young woman named Esther to deliver his people from annihilation. He used a backslidden prophet named Jonah to save a city of over 120,000 people. He used a wilderness dweller named John to prepare the way for the Messiah. He used a 16-year-old virgin named Mary to give birth to Jesus. He used a fisherman named Peter to preach the very first Pentecostal message. Hallelujah. God specializes in using the unqualified. God specializes in using those who may feel that they are unworthy. Those that feel that they may be unqualified. And that's why the apostle wrote in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, he said, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to shame the things which are strong. Why does God use the weak? Why does God specialize in using the unqualified? It is because when you are weak, God shines through you. When you are weak, when you feel unqualified, God shines 
through you. God is the one that gets the glory. You are not the one that gets the glory, but He gets the glory because He is working through you. He's working through an unqualified vessel. Paul asked God three times to get rid of the thorn in the flesh, something that was causing him to be weak. And listen to what God said to Paul. He said this, My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. God's strength is made perfect in our weakness. And that is why Paul was later later able to write. He said this, he said, When I am weak, then am I strong. When I am weak, when I feel like I can't do anything, that's when God can use me. When I'm down to my, my last dollar, that's when God can use me. Don't allow your destiny to be aborted because of your past. God has called you. Don't allow your destiny to be aborted because of your past, because of maybe a failure in your past, because maybe something that happened. God has called you. God has called you and He has a plan for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He has called you for such a time as this. Your calling is the answer to someone's prayer here tonight. Your calling is the answer to someone's prayer here tonight. There could be a family out somewhere in Perth that is on on their last nerve and they don't know what to do. And they are calling out to God and they are waiting for us to reach out to them. They are waiting for us to respond to the call of God. They are waiting for us to be the hands and the feet of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We must respond to the call of God on our life. We can't just come to church and sit on a pew and, and, and enjoy great services, but we must be called. Hallelujah. And we must respond to the call that God has on our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not enough just to come to church. It's not enough just to be a part of the church. But we must respond to the call that God has placed on our life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm hurrying to a close. If I could get Sister Stephanie to please come. When I talk about calling, I'm not just referencing pulpit ministry or or pastoral ministry or, or being a missionary or, or doing something like that. Like, you know, that... That is wonderful if you are called to that. That is wonderful if you are called to be a missionary, if you are called to be a pastor or an evangelist. But, but like I stated before, we all have a unique call of God on our life. Every single person in this room here this evening has a unique call on their life. There is something that only you can do in the kingdom of God. Yes, we are all called to make disciples but we will all make disciples in different ways. Amen? We will all make disciples of Jesus in different ways. We will have different opportunities to do that. You may be called to be a doctor and God is going to use you to save lives and offer hope to people in hopeless situations. You may be called to be a church planner and God is going to use you to plant a church in 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 an unchurched city. You may be called to help serve the homeless and God is going to use you to help the less fortunate as a witness of His love. You may be called to a factory where you work, and God is going to use you to reach out to a co-worker that is going through sorrow or depression. And, and just a, a, a quick uh, testimony, there was, there's a, a woman in our church uh, named Sister Tarai, and she is an outstanding um, soul winner. She, she loves witnessing to people. And she works in a warehouse. She works for Toll, um, the shipping company. And, and one day at work, um, you know, she always encourages people and, and says hello to people and try and sees how they're doing it. And one day at work, 
um, she was talking to a young man and, and she realized that there was something going on. And she decided to, to have a bit of a deeper conversation with him and, and she asked him to come aside and she started talking with him. And, and lo and behold, um, just the previous night, that young man had contemplated suicide and God had used Sister Terai to speak into his situation and to offer him help and salvation in his time of need. And she connected him to our pastor, Pastor Stan, and, and, and he spoke with him and he counseled him and had conversations with him and, I, and he's currently in a Bible study. But this was just a, a, a woman in our church who, who felt a call. It didn't matter where she worked. It didn't matter. I mean, she's, she's, uh, she's in her early 50s. She's a grandmother. But it didn't matter her age. It didn't matter her qualification. All that mattered is that she had a heart for someone. Amen. And she knew that she had a call of God on her life. And she responded to that call. She responded to the quickening of God's spirit. And she spoke to someone and saved someone's life. Amen. We all have a call. We all have a purpose in this life. The point is, like Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 1, that God has saved us and he has called us with a holy calling. God has saved us and he has called us with a holy calling. You have been saved. You have been saved, but you have also been called. You have a holy calling on your life if you've been born again of the water and of the spirit. But listen to what Paul says next. He says this, not because of anything that we have done. I'm not called because I did anything. That's what Paul's saying. I'm not called because I've didn't done anything, but because of God's own purpose and grace which he has given us. It is because of God has it is because God has purposed you to be called to be born again. It is because of him, because of his grace that we have a calling on our life. Not because we're special, not because we're great, but because he has decided that you would be called, that you would have this purpose. Hallelujah. We have been called because we're not not because we're special, but because God has a purpose for us. And that purpose goes beyond us. That purpose goes beyond the four walls of this church and it goes out to those who are lost to those who are crying out to God to those who are in a hopeless situation looking for hope amen if you could all be upstanding as I come to a close thank you for your attention here this evening hallelujah Jesus luckily for us God finally convinced Moses to go to Egypt. God finally convinced Moses to go to Egypt. And the rest is, as they say, history. Centuries later, a Jewish author would write this. So this, this is a, a Jew that wrote this about Moses. He's not a believer in Jesus. But he said, Moses, the most solitary and the most powerful hero in biblical history, the immensity of his task and the scope of his experience command our adoration, our reverence, our all. Moses, the man who changed the course of history all by himself. His emergence became the, the, the decisive turning point after him. Nothing was the same ever again. This is what a Jew would write about Moses centuries later. 
this stuttering shepherd that was on the back end of a desert. He, he became one of the most powerful men in Judaism. He was a preacher. He was a historian. He was a general, a prophet, a judge. Remember how they said, who made you a ruler and a judge over us? God did. God made him a ruler and a judge over his people. He was a politician and he was a priest. He is responsible for writing the first five books of your Bible. He spoke to God face to face as a man speaks to his friend. And why did this happen? This all happened because he said yes. Because he said yes. Because he responded to the call of God on his life. Because he didn't allow his failures. Because he didn't allow his past to stop him. And what would happen to you? What would happen in your life today if you said yes? If you responded to the call going out on your life here today, it doesn't matter what age you are. It doesn't matter where you are at in life. God has a call on your life here tonight. And that is my challenge to you this evening. Say yes. Say yes to the call that God has on your life. Don't let your past mistakes stop you. Don't let your failures hinder you. Don't let it overwhelm you. Hallelujah. But say yes to the call of God in your life. Fear may come against you, but perfect love casts out all fear. Hallelujah. Respond to the call that God has on your life. The people in this city are counting on you tonight. Who's going to reach them if you don't? Who's going to reach them if we don't respond to the call of God on our life? They need someone to introduce them to the deliverer. Moses was the deliverer. God was the deliverer. But Moses introduced them to their deliverer. I challenge you here tonight, come come forward this evening to the altar and spend some time in prayer. If you're already responding to the call of God on your life, that's great. But I, I challenge you to recommit here this evening. But if you've been running from the call of God, if you've been running for, from the hand of God on your life, I challenge you, respond to God here tonight. He will meet you. His call is going out to you even now, even this evening. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. These altars are open if you'd like to spend some time with the Lord in prayer. We'd love to pray with you here tonight. Hallelujah. You are the answer to someone's prayer here this evening. You are the answer to someone's prayer in this city here tonight, in your family, your friends, you, you, how you respond to the call of God on your life, how you respond every day to the purpose God has for your life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Aren't you grateful that someone said yes? Aren't you grateful that Brother Glass said yes? Aren't you grateful that Pastor Butcher said yes? Hallelujah. I'm grateful that Pastor Slack said yes. Yes. 